0: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken, joined on this cold and wintry day by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave?
1: Uh I'm very good. You've got your Christmas jumper on early. Merry November mate.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the most comfortable jumper I uh I own. Um it's actually and this isn't a plug but hey, uh a town Christmas jumper that I bought last year for that Christmas quiz we did fundraiser for the welcome center. Uh I bought a I bought it just to be on theme and it's actually really really comfy. So, uh a free little plug for the for the club shop there I suppose, but uh, yeah. That's about as much uh, as much benefit as, as they're going to get from us on this this podcast because it was a really really wretched performance against Middlesbrough at the weekend, two one. But by golly, that uh, that scoreline didn't flatter Huddersfield 10.
1: Yeah, uh, I wrote in the conclusions that rarely has a, a scoreline flattered a team more. To be honest with you, and it was it came. I don't think it came out of nowhere. I think we'll go into the, the, some of the reasons why we think certain things happen. But it is incredibly rare that even in a defeat like this that you can say that every single player played badly because even like the Fulham game we said you know well Levi Colwell actually had a really good game Um, it was just he couldn't prevent what was happening around it and even the Forest game there was a couple of bright sparks you know uh, this was just for me it was the worst performance of the season I know some people disagree because of the scoreline of the Fulham game but for me categorically the worst performance of the season yeah I would would agree and to be fair when you look at sort of the
0: fan rating our ratings uh, both of them put it lower than the Fulham one I think it's the context more than anything because you know we we said before this game we weren't sure what to expect and that it might be a game that came at the wrong time for town because you know Wilder's fairly new at Middlesbrough it always takes a new manager a couple of games to get up to speed or usually does despite people always harping on about the new manager bounce But and we'd sort of seen signs I'd seen some clips of Middlesbrough that, that suggested they were getting up to that um, and we weren't really sure what to expect but at the same time they were a bottom half side um, and I think some people have said we didn't give Borough enough praise I think there's something in that they you know they had some really good performers Johnny House and in particular was excellent Duncan Watmore his finishes were superb to the second goal Isaiah Jones caused all kinds of problems down the right and you know I think you do have to give some credit to Middlesbrough but you know we're not Teesside live we're <laughs> we're uh, we Yorkshire live you know that, that sort of side of things is, is covered elsewhere we're sort of focused on the Huddersfield Town side of things and I think that first half was one of the worst 45 minutes I've I've seen in sort of nearly three years in this job from, from Huddersfield I thought they were they, they couldn't string three passes together they were the only player the only players I should say who were getting the, the basics right the absolute basics were Scott High and Danny Ward and you know Danny Ward was was sort of isolated up top and um, Scott High was sort of facing it you know against a tide of sort of eight teammates Lee Nichols I suppose did all right as well although his kicking wasn't great which I don't think helped terribly but I'm you know I'm not pointing the finger at him too much. Um, nothing he could do about the goals. But, you know, though, those sort of two outfielders were really fighting against a, a tide of, of effluent sort of <laughs> rushing around them from their teammates. They, they would, you know, they would just... I, normally when you have sort of a bad performance and you sort of see your team are, uh, are are off the pace and you know they're getting overrun you can look at sort of three or four players and say oh they've had a stinker at most but to have eight that we were looking at in that first half and saying god they've been hopeless is uh, is bizarre and like I, I agree that it's not totally out of nowhere in that you know we have seen them concede some cheap goals recently um, against sort of Peter Brewer and against Cardiff but in another way I think it was kind of out of nowhere because normally this season apart from that Fulham game where they had a lot of players missing the pattern has been that even if Town haven't been good in attack and they haven't been good in attack for a lot of the season they've at least had a sort of baseline level of competence and will get the basics right and will at very least make it difficult for the opposition to score this game it was totally the opposite they made it so easy for Middlesbrough to play through them just everything they did was wrong yeah it
1: was I think what was really shocking to see was like the sort of basic level of competence wasn't there so they I mean how many yeah. passes went astray <laughs> yeah. it was it was quite like after five minutes in I, I sent you a message saying nobody here is above a three and I was sending it because I honestly thought right okay yeah. they will they will crack on at some point they will kick in but yeah that first 45 minutes was was just dismal in particular and the, the I mean Middlesbrough are a good squad no more than that um they were all Organised on the day, and they were Wilder had done his homework to the extent that he knew where the space was going to be on the pitch and he consistently put people in it, but like no town player actually reacted to anything. You know, like we're gonna we'll have to get into the goal specifically, but that second goal you can't concede to a straight ball through the middle when you play a three at the back. A three at the back yeah. is sort of prime. That's the one ball that can't can't hurt you. <laughs> That's you cannot concede that sort of goal. And the ball from Crooks was like it was brilliant. Don't Get me wrong, it's absolutely brilliant, but yeah, what more getting in between two there and it was it was just really really bad and it's like it's a shame because I think the West Brom game was perhaps the best performance of the season on a couple of levels I think the QPR game me and you have a differing opinion on but I don't think either of us would say oh it was a bad Huddersfield Town performance because it wasn't but then this to finish the week with that it just makes you it's been a bad few days you know that's that's the reality it feels like it's been a bad few days
0: yeah I mean that West Brom win has basically been completely forgotten about now like the the, at least as far as the, the fans are concerned like it's you know looking at sort of the timbre of, of the, the how the fans reacted um, it's as though it never happened and, and you can understand that because I think there's a bit of, bit of nervousness about uh, about what might be coming next particularly after what happened last season we'll, we'll get into that more later I think you're right that we should sort of concentrate on the two goals first of all I mean the first one we sort of we said Scott High was at least doing the basics right but I mean it is him that sort of stands off house uh when you look at it to be fair I think I think he's sort of maybe a little bit overcautious there where he probably should commit and get a bit closer to house and who's sort of gone storming past O'Brien up the middle and makes it easy for him to to pick out Jones on the right but but Toffolo gets completely done by him um it's a great pass to be fair and then the pass into the middle um from Watmore you know he's he's got between Pearson and and Lees who I thought Lees in particular uh, out of those two really looked off it in a way that that he hasn't this season and it's a really sort of square ball into space defenders nowhere near Watmore and he sort of takes it first time tucks it, tucks it past nickel yeah it's, it's a poor goal to concede isn't
1: it yeah it really is it really is and it, like straight away it felt like town had a mountain to climb and it didn't feel like they had the equipment to do it right from the off and I, all I was thinking was just get to half time at 1-0 <laughs> mm. just try and get to half time at 1-0 sort yourself out move some stuff around and see if you can get a point out of this, even playing, you know, even playing badly. But then it got worse. <laughs> then it yeah. got worse. And as soon, we'll go into the goal in a sec, but as soon as that second goal went in, I don't knew, know about you, Steve, but that was that was game over. It, ne- it never even, yeah. at that point, it never even felt like town were going to get two goals, let, let alone sort of three goals out of this game.
0: No, exactly. And you mentioned sort of the, the second goal, getting beaten by a straight ball over the top. Um, you know, I'm looking at the replay now, I don't even know where Dwayne Holmes is on the pitch. You know, he's he's not got back. Um he's, he I doesn't seem to be out wide. Possibly there's another angle that might show <laughs> exactly where he is, but you know, Town sort of it's a move that sort of I think Town have gone up the right on the attack and then Middlesbrough win the ball and they quickly not that quickly, but they break forward and and Town are sort of try to cover each, cover each other's positions. Uh there's no one picking up the 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 ball before it goes to Crooks. Uh Lee sort of comes away from Watmore, not sure whether he should be sort of try to close it down Sar also comes out not sure if he should be closing Crooks down or not doesn't get anywhere near it makes a sort of token attempt to nod it as it flies over his head and just no one has picked up that that run from Watmore and it's a brilliant brilliant finish to take that first time with the lob perfect perfect lob but again it's a simple goal to concede and a criticism that, that, that you would always have when is the last time Town themselves sort of scored a goal like that as well as yeah. an aside but yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah it's just sort of sums it up for them I think that second goal they're just they're all over the place no one seems to know what they're meant to be doing
1: no it it looks like we what what minute was that goal scored in sorry 23 it was 23 minutes into the game and everybody looked tired and I don't just mean physically I mean tired minds as well yeah. and it was 23 minutes into the game and my gut feeling was this is going to get much much worse This is this is going to get much much worse I thought at that point having seen that goal I thought it was probably Going to end up four or five nil. Yeah, I, I genuinely did. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. And it was like Crooks. Crooks is a good player, but Crooks is a runner. He's not. He's not necessarily a sort of. You know, he's not an Iniesta threading no look passes through the middle to, to Duncan Watmore on a on a weekly basis. He's a good, solid Championship pro who runs his socks off. So the fact that he was sort of confident enough to do a no look pass like that, pull it off, and then more to attempt and pull off that finish because the the other thing about that finish as good as it was and it was it was excellent if if i have scored that goal shirt off i'm taking the yellow card because i i am running to the corner flag well in that round my head but at the same time that goal and that finish is born of confidence that a you're not going to get wiped out actually trying to do it and b you've scored one you you're on the crest of wave you think yeah why not i'm going to have a go at this and Yeah, it was, was, I don't know, I'm finding words about this game hard because it was just all below par everyone was yeah. below par, it's very difficult to analyse it because you can't you can't contrast one thing with another thing because it was all the same. They were all at fault in various areas of the pitch in various moments in the game. They were just extremely lucky not to get you know, I mean if they'd have been playing Bournemouth and they'd have played like that, that oh. would have been that would have been another 7-0 wouldn't it? To be honest, I think if they're playing Stoke and they play
0: like <laughs> that there, you know, it was, I mean the second half they sort of, they just about rose the Level of mediocre, like they they were, <laughs> they weren't they weren't they weren't as terrible um, in the second half. But I mean, it was it was way too little too late. They never really looked like scoring. Um, it's a nice crossfield ball. It's worth saying. Um, I th- is it Scotty High? I think again um, plays that ball into the box. Caroma gets a little flick on uh, as it runs through to O'Brien, and he he tries to pull it back for Caroma, and it sort of takes two deflections on its way in. Ninety third minute though, you know there was <laughs> even in the ninety third minute, the the few fans that were sort of left in the didn't really give it the come on raw because they knew it was... You know, it was there were thirty seconds left to play, and you know they weren't going to get a second, uh, and it would have been would have been a crime against football if they'd got a second and they'd got an equaliser. To be perfectly honest, but yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, it's it's a hard one to talk about because it was all just so bad. And um, I think the sort of what we need to look at is what whether this we should how much we should read into this game and how worried we should be about this. And I think I would start with the the worries about last season. First of all, because you've pointed out to me, they've got exactly the same win-draw-loss record as last season. Very similar goals for and goals against record as, as this stage last season, uh, and we obviously know what happened after Christmas there. And I think it was obvious from the response from from the fans. As I say, I'm not sort of having a go at them for this at all because I can understand it after a performance that bad. But that West Brom game has sort of already gone in their minds, and you know there are a few going, you know, call us out, and you know, even those who were being a bit more level-headed were really concerned that this is going to precipitate another massive decline, another drop off a cliff uh, going into the second half of the season.
1: Where would you stand on that? Um, I think there are similarities. You know, I think you can even sort of look at the nature of how this run has been put together. They were slightly carried by the former Josh Karoma, who was superb, start last season, and they've been slightly carried in some games by Sorba Thomas at the start of this season. So you can see there are parallels, but I do think that this season season's run has been built on a little bit more I think it's a firmer foundation I think last year <laughs> to to reveal a little bit behind the curtain I was forever moaning at you that I didn't think any of the fundamental issues had been sorted that the run they were on even when times were good was a pretty false position this time I feel like there is more to it you cannot say hand on heart that defensively they haven't improved because they have they don't the, the fact we're struggling to talk about Saturday, I think, is because it's it was such an aberration not because it's the norm you know we can't yeah, look yeah. and say all oh, right well this has been coming for a while because we've seen it in Tom Lee's play or we've seen it in you know Matty Pearson's been struggling I feel like it would it would be a, a hell of a it would be a hell of an underperformance at this point just by virtue of the fact that they've got better players but I think there are legi- legitimate questions to ask now that there were the same questions to ask last year which is are town too wedded to a certain formation our town too wedded to a certain type of playing, you know, certain angles of attack, etc. And I think it's, I'm certainly not at panic stations yet. We are still only, you know, a week and a day on from that West Brom game when they showed they can enact a plan and they're in a 3-4-3. Three, and it worked and they didn't have Jonathan Hogg that day and they'd had to shuffle the pack. So I'm certainly not at panic stations. I think it was a very tired performance at the end of a long week and I think Middlesbrough having two home games and an extra day's 24, hour, uh, 24 hours rest coming into it showed as well. But what I would say is I think there's pressure on the Barnsley game now. I think the Barnsley game is the pressure is there not just to deliver the win they need to deliver a bit of a performance as well they've they've got to they've got to prove it's a bumper and not a slide that's that's the thing because they've got some very presentable fixtures coming up Coventry mm-hmm. is a tough game but Coventry aren't a million miles away from where town are they're five points ahead one, you know one win and two draws away but they're not a million miles away and at home town could get something from that Bristol are no great shakes they you can get at them defensively um i think i can't remember who they are blackpool and then forest you know there's there's opportunity there to get something but they have to go and get something now you know like you you can't perform like that and not react um and it's 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 any away game in the championship you sort of hesitate to say well they've got to go and win it but saturday now feels after that performance like it is a bit of a must win really to to put things right straight away
0: yeah one thing i said on social media that a couple of people questioned was I said I sort of felt a bit for Carlos after that game because yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was there's, let's <laughs> let's not beat it around the bush there's been plenty of games particularly last season where you and I sat here going what what was he doing uh, you know um, but I thought this game I don't think i knowing what we know about will what he said after the game that they wanted to rest him against West Brom but they couldn't because Lee's was ill um, and then they had to they, they felt that Saar was better for this game and that Colwell was better for QPR I think on paper that, that made sense uh, although obviously Saar is not nowhere near as good on the left of the back three as he is in the middle um, and I thought that showed again uh, on Saturday but you know I don't think it was again I'm not pointing a finger at Naby Saar when there were eight other players who would sort of hope this on the day um, so I don't think sort of selection wise or tact Tactics-wise, it was a major blunder. So what I mean by that is I thought he was let down by his players on the day and I don't think you get many of those in a season you know as, as I said my attitude towards that would be completely different if they go and do the same against Barnsley because mm. I think when you have a team that's generally done well and let's be you know let's not forget they have done much better this season than, than anyone expected them to but um, when you've generally been doing well and you've generally you know seen a, at least improvement in some areas from last season and then you get one performance like that which is the first time they've been that bad I know they're against Forest but it's the first time they've been that bad since Fulham Um, I think you give the manager a little bit of leeway and you sort of it's only when it sort of becomes a pat that you say okay well it's on the manager to make sure those performances don't happen I think it so that's what I mean by that but I don't think he gets many more of them before in fact I don't think he gets any more of them before you and I are, are asking very serious questions um, and we already have some fairly serious questions particularly when it comes to the attack it was it was the yeah. fact that in this game that the defence was also so atrocious though yeah
1: I, I completely agree with everything you've said I, I think I put in one of the conclusions I can't remember this one which one that I couldn't honestly tell you what Corbyn's plan was for that game or what he wanted to do or where the tactical intricacies were because nobody did their job right (laughs) and like you said I think you get one of those a season I think there might be reasons for it I think that West Brom game I think took a lot out of that team and then a trip to London and a late trip back is not ideal preparation for a game you know that was a hard game as well it was
0: you know it was very very end to end I I imagine the GPS values for that one were pretty high yeah
1: and then to come into this this game against a Chris Wilder side who. You know, are going to try and push you wide. Who you uh, have worked out where the spaces are. Are going to do a lot of running at you. Yeah, not an ideal week. And again, another reason why I'm not sort of like at panic stations. Yeah, but they've got a full week to prepare here. <laughs> they've got mm. a full week to prepare. Barnsley aren't very good. I I've seen. I think the new manager's had three games now, and I've seen about three halves of his football. And I can honestly tell you what the what the plan is there. Um, so I just can't. You know, I joked about it in, in one piece that Dr Hoddersfield come into town to uh, cure you of being rubbish in 90 minutes, which is what happened against Forrest earlier this season, etc. Um, I just, I, there can't be really be any excuses for Saturday. And I think if we are doing what you said, which is we are sort of saying, OK, you can't really put this on Corbran when everybody has failed. You're exactly right that if it happens twice in a row, that's when you go, uh, hang on, <laughs> hang on. On. Yeah. So yeah. we just have to we just have to see if there are questions after the weekend. But they've got a run of games now with no midweek football, and I feel like for a Carlos Corbran side, I feel that's quite a big thing because he is quite intense. He does like his time on the training ground. He does like to plan quite a, you know down to the very last, almost too much, I would say sometimes. But that's a that's another matter why they end up a little bit risk adverse. So let's see if they can pull another West Brom game out of their out of their hat.
0: Yeah, I feel like against Barnsley, you know, even as, as sort of poor as Barnsley have been this year, which is uh I think sort of speaks highly of Valerian and Ishmael, funnily enough, although we're mentioning West Brom there, but um that their drop off has been massive from last season. Uh they they really should be winning that game even away from home. But I think it being away from home means that even if they just scrape a one nil, uh after a performance like that, even if they were to just scrape a one nil like they did against Preston earlier this season, I don't think anyone's gonna be happy with that level of performance but I think that is something at least you know you've then got a home game after that against a good Coventry side uh, who are you know fifth in the table you know they're, they're doing really well but um, it is another home game and I think if you just get a win any win against Barnsley and then use the Coventry game to try and sort of make a bit more of a statement and, and sort of put put the doubters back in their box but again I'm I'm not I really can't blame anyone for having those doubts because I think last season we also would have said you know at Christmas Eve when Carlos got that new contract you know most a lot of people were celebrating that um, and here we are sort of nearly 12 months on and, and a lot of those doubts are still the same you know we've we've said even even when even throughout the season when things have been going well, that in attack they do still see no real improvement other than on set pieces. If anything, from open play, they've gone backwards compared with last season when you look at the numbers and mm. you take that that set piece improvement out of it. Um all the improvement really has, has come in defence. But um so I think you know, and what is it, one win in the last five for town now? Yeah. Um so, and, and, you know, two of those games, they sort of, they had leads and they blew them. So I can completely understand why fans are concerned, despite having had sort of that West Brom game. And I've been a bit back and forth on this because I've seen the people going, oh, Carlos out. And I've thought, all right, they beat West Brom last week. But then you also see people on the other end going, oh, calm down. He's doing a great job. And you think, well, I think yeah. it's somewhere in between, to be honest. Yeah. And, and the, the issue you and I have is that although you and I might both have doubts and sort of might share those concerns about whether they might drop off second half of the season we can't criticise them for it unless it actually happens yeah. so yeah. We, we, we need we need to be we can't be quite
1: a sort of we have to be analytical we can't be emotional yeah. about it um, yeah so yeah but no I, I think that's uh, you know echo everything you say there and it it's worth saying as well that they have had a bad November Um, mm-hmm. they, they the, the Peter Badraw was disappointing the Cardiff defeat was disappointing West Brom game was really good the qpr game was disappointing and then saturday was awful but what it should be noted is they haven't massively paid for it they started the month in fifth and they're now in eight you know they've not they've they're still eight from top not eight from the bottom. so they've slightly got out of jail with it in my opinion and the thing is now let's see if they are sort of serious top half contenders let's see if they can bounce back finish the year with, with a couple of wins and a draw out of the upcoming games and still be in the mix come January because if you're still in the mix come January like I've already said we're at the point where things don't happen by accident this season town are where they are for a reason I do think it's it's built on a more of a solid foundation but yeah it, it feels like it's a big month because if they do start to slide they have to do something to to arrest that slide and last season let's not forget that Carlos Corbran basically had to throw all, all the principles that we'd been told he held out of the window and switched to a, a, essentially a five at the back uh, and just try to sort of crawl steadily inch over the line Yeah. Yeah. and uh, at the moment I think it's worth a discussion on the 3-4-3 and how Town are playing because I personally think a big part of this is I, I say this phrase a lot on this podcast but I really do mean it I think they got to stop they got to start asking some decent questions again because at the moment they're a bit of an analyst dream Steve. they yeah. they it, it's quite easy to to play and set up against town that's that's the thing it's not always going to work because town have much better plow- players now and there's a lot of variables and little things make the difference so I'm not saying you know town are going to lose every game thanks to analysts looking at them but I'm saying it's getting to a point where I feel like they need to mix things up a bit and I think I feel like they certainly need to re- restore they certainly need to restore the power they had on the left last season which was their when that when town played well that was their real big strength Mm -hmm. and this season because of Sorba Thomas and formation change and a bit of a stylistic change they've tried to balance it up a bit more and then they've been a little bit more the out ball has been to the right to Sorba Thomas I think they need to mix it up a bit now Steve yeah definitely
0: I mean before I get into this I would just say on the league table I think you're right they have sort of got away with it I mean they're now they're still only four points off the play players although QPR got a game in hand Um, but um, you know they if they lose at Barnsley and without looking at at who's playing who so this might not be completely right but you know just going on the points and taking that out of the equation they could you know they could very easily you know Forrest are only three points behind them now in fact Preston in 17 are only three points behind them now and you know there's only four goals goal difference there so you know a a pair of two nils that go against town in both directions there and you know they've caught you up so you know if if they this is the issue with the league table is that it doesn't lie but I think in some ways it does this season um, at least at this stage it will get clearer as, as things move on but it's uh, it's so congested you know three <laughs> points between eight and 17. they could very easily drop into that bottom half and I think that's what sort of you know it's it is a slippery slope argument at this point from the fans to, to say oh well you know if you drop into 17th then you've only got to drop once more and then you're in a relegation battle I think you know they're 12 points clear of that um, so we've got a long way to go but you know as i say i think it's understandable that that you know of course that concern is at the top of everyone's minds after last season but yeah tactically i agree with you uh i think yeah that they they're very predictable now i think particularly with the injuries they've got in midfield um you know who's i mean i guess you would have known who was going to play anyway with if it was Hogan o'brien but um you know silver thomas's his form has dropped and understandably it was always going to uh i, I don't think it's dropped quite as far as some people make out but he, he you know is playing at the standard you probably would have expected at the start of the season, rather than the standard he then set himself at the start of the season. Uh, I think Toffolo, though, you mentioned the, the struggles on the left. Karoma's obviously not been at it this year. He looks desperately like he needs a goal. Um, and you know, Carlos said after QPR that he, he picked Karoma because he wanted him to feel important to the side, and I think that is an attempt to try and get that confidence up. But I think you also need to talk about Harry Toffolo, and, and I know that you did in the five conclusions, because we've commented before that his crossing. Is has been pretty abysmal this season uh he's got two assists to his name but one of them was a header um you know that that uh, which game was it where the ball came in? And it was a uh, Blackburn, wasn't it?
1: Blackburn, yeah, Blackburn. yeah.
0: The winner for Ward, where the ball came in from Turton, he headed it back across for Ward. And the other one was uh, was against Sheffield United when he came off the bench and uh, got onto the second ball off a corner, ran through the defence and squared it for Colwell Other than that, I, I think he's if he has created any shots from across this season, um, then I've I've missed it because I know when I looked a few weeks ago he hadn't yet, and I, I've been sort of keeping an eye out, and I still don't think he's he's managed it. Um, They do have an alternative there in in Josh Ruffles, uh, who we'll talk about in a moment. But first of all, with Toffler, what what do you think has... has changed in his game this season because when we looked at it if you look at regular players for the in the player ratings he was town's second best player the 6 months after he signed he was town's second best player on average player ratings last season this season he's 10 <laughs> among the regulars what what has changed to make that happen
1: um i think there's three things you have to consider really the first is no preseason and covid um i know for a fact it can can linger can affect you in various ways you don't really understand I think the second is the change of position uh, wing back is a very different position and it Mm -hmm. it does take it does take a different mindset um and a different it's a it's a tough role it's a very very tough yeah. role and like people may look at it and go well if you're a fullback you should should just naturally be a wingback there's a whole different sort of set of s- set of things that you need to do really and I don't think you can rule that out there's
0: a there's a name springing to mind for me when I'm thinking of attacking fullbacks who are great when they're playing in a four and not so great when they're playing at wingback um which is Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. he's who's constantly, whenever they've tried him at wing-back for England, has been very meh, even though he's great at full-back for, for Liverpool. Yeah,
1: and I think the third thing is that we judge Harry Toffolo by his own high standards, and he's been brilliant yeah. since coming in. So he's he's been due a, a run of... I mean, he like he, it's not like he's been having an absolute stinker. It's not like he's been no, awful no. this season. He's just not been... Like, you look at the ratings, and sort of Lee Nichols and Tom Lees have been up there getting consistently sort of six and a half, sets that's, that's about where they are from week to week that's where Harry Tofflow is when Harry Tofflow is at his best yeah. he's just yeah. he is Mr 7 out of 10 week in week out and he's he's had I think he's had fours, fives. He's had, and now he's had a couple of threes as well. But and, but
0: they've nearly all been sixes. Is the thing. I yeah. think that's. I think you're right there. Like he's gone from a player who you expect a seven out of ten every week to this season, you kind of expect a six. That's what he not been getting, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but I do. I'm still not a hundred percent sure he is best used as a wing back. See, the thing about a wing back is that you have to defend in a different way. You have to have a different relationship with the defender that is inside you. Stop it. Uh, you have to attack in a different way and the way that harry tofflow and lewis o'brien and josh Karoma will work for a long time when town were at their best last season they've not got that going in any way shape or form and holmes does a really good job on the left and was in his best form before the injury but he plays in a very different way to Karoma. so Karoma tucks inside a lot and that gives harry tofflow effectively the whole flank because Karoma's gone inside, O'Brien is running to arrive late, so Mm. Tofflow's got all that space to run into. With Holmes there, it's been a little bit different, and I think that is a factor, and I... I think the other thing is that I think Harry Tofflow is a bit of a, uh, it, you know, we know he's the bionic man. We know he's rarely injured, rarely subbed off. I think it, it, it's just a just a bad spell. You just go, okay, but yeah. he'll come back. It's not like, I'm not worried about Harry Tofflow like I would be about, you know, there were one or two players last season that we were looking at, Steve, privately and saying, well, they're just not good enough. That's that's mm. the issue here. It's not that. It's just, I think when you look at those stats you come to about the crosses leading to shots, that's the thing where you go, alright. Oh, okay well he's not he's not playing in the same way because last season that was one of his priorities was getting to that byline and mm-hmm. pulling it back for people in the area. Yeah
0: I think the other thing is sort of with playing wing back rather than full back is last year he had when Town were playing the midfield three Lewis O'Brien would often go off and basically become a sort of an extra left winger so you had Toffolo O'Brien and Coroma were all actually playing on the on the left wing at, you know at various points only one of them would be coming central whereas now it's down to two because when whether it's Karoma that plays on the left or Holmes they're both looking to get inside rather than sticking out wide and uh, and because O'Brien has to sort of stay more central because he's in a midfield two and not a midfield three there is a little bit less support for Toffolo which I think is sort of is is also sort of making him a little bit less uh, effective but yeah I mean they've got Josh Ruffles there and when we looked at him earlier in this, uh, early this summer when they signed him the thing that really stood out for him was his crossing accuracy uh, and the number of goals he created from crosses the other thing was he scores lots of goals from headers which is another thing that Toffolo is a
1: bit hopeless at
0: um, so is that a- another option and do you think it's worth call us looking at that option at this point
1: I think it might be but I think you're never ever going to drop Harry Toffolo so I, f- I feel like it's almost slightly redundant because it's just he he won't drop Harry Toffolo because Harry Toffolo is Harry Toffolo and at some point hmm. you know full well he's going to get back into form and you don't have to worry about him but I do, I wrote an article on this Um, that's been published this morning and I do wonder if there are ways particularly with Town's current injury situation if you can play Toffolo and Ruffles Ruffles started life as a midfielder and Town are shorn of options in midfield and the next in line at the moment seems to be John Russell who we both know is not a a sort of true central midfielder um, to play in which I think you need in a a 3-4-3 if I'm honest and... I was, ju- you know, there's a couple of ways I think possibly you could move to a three-five-two with Coroma and Ward up top and have Ruffles in that midfield to make up a three, who will naturally look a bit more to the left and get that strength over on that side again. Um, but I think it's, I think, I think Harry Toffolo is is. He needs a bit of support more than anything else. He sometimes looks quite isolated over on that wing to me in a way that Mm -hmm. Sorba Thomas doesn't with Sonani because Sonani likes to play quite close to either his striker or pull out wide to play close to Sorba Thomas. He's that that sort of player who likes to be five yards from the ball in possession. So I just wonder if Toffler just needs a little bit more support as you said you're quite right to point out that in the midfield too, O'Brien can't do the job that he was doing last season it's it's a it's a different role and yeah it's interesting it's a it's just it's another like if, if town had won two games last week if town win two of those games then you can sort of look at that Middlesbrough performance and say okay it was an aberration but we move on but because they haven't and because they've not had a great November this is where we have to look and say okay well Harry Toffolo's not playing as well as he did Sorber Thomas is is not great and various other things and it just feels all a bit down at the moment but yeah I I personally I would change the formation that's what I would do I'd go back to a 4-3-3 for a couple of games and that's Corbyn's first tactical change in a game usually as well anyway isn't it yeah he did it after sort of 25 minutes half an hour um, I'm surprised he didn't do it after 5 minutes on Saturday I really was because it wasn't working.
0: <laughs> yeah I was I mean I said to you at half time I'm surprised he hadn't made a, well he did make a sub because Pearson went off but i surprised he didn't make a change, sooner it was it was that bad. But some managers don't don't like it, I suppose. But yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is you know you talk about is it time to try something new? I mean, you, you mentioned a change of shape there potentially. A four-three-three, I suppose, would mean Oli Turton would need to, to come into the side for a spell because I think Pippa's still a little little way off yet. I think he was meant to be back around now, but but it seems like it's going to be at least another couple of weeks. Um, and uh, you know, he's only just. I think they said at the press conference that the plan was for him to return to more sort of high intensity training. We'll get an update. Again on on Friday, I suppose, about how that's gone. But in the meantime, it would mean Turk playing at right back. Are you you comfortable with that? I, no <laughs> uh,
1: well I, I am and I'm not I think he I think he is a fullback I don't think he's a wingback yeah. and I think I've said that consistently on this pod I think that's why he's had some difficult games I don't think a 4-3-3 is an ideal system I think there is a world where you could play Pearson as a right back if I'm honest which he has done when he's changed it mid-game yeah. Before, yeah. and I think what you do is you look into the left to do your attacking You exactly what Town did last season by going down that side and you have a little bit Bit more solidity on the right with Pearson there, and it also allows you to to sort of have your two players on that side because Pearson's not gonna he's he's not going to appear in the opposition third much. Let's be honest. So it allows you to have a little bit more freedom if you're playing ahead of him. I think the thing about Turton is I actually. I'm nowhere near as down on him as some people. I actually quite like the role he's got in that he can come in and he can change the shape of that team and he can cover a couple of different positions and he gives Corbin a couple of different options. I do wonder if like weirdly, but for COVID, if Ruffles and Turton would have swapped positions, you know if both have had a pre-season, if Ruffles would have been the sort of tactical sub who could come on and and change the shape at this point. So I think it's not I mean this, this sounds a weird thing to say but it's not Turton's fault he keeps finding himself picked <laughs> which is a weird weird way to phrase it but you know what I mean but I uh, yeah I wouldn't be against Pearson being over there as a right back and just I just think they've got to give they've got to give the opposition something different to think about they've got to surprise them a little bit because Barnsley will be planning for a 3-4-3 they'll be planning for the midfield too they'll be planning to try and exploit the space behind the wing back on the right because Toffolo tends to play about 10 yards further back they'll be planning to try and put some balls through the middle having watched what Middlesbrough did and they'll be planning to probably stick in a low block out of possession to, to nullify town that way and I just think when you can, when we can sit here on a podcast and say that's likely how they're going to set up that means that town are too easy to play against and they need to need to do something to ask a different question I
0: think the, the big thing for me that sort of says might be worth changing shape is the big strength of the 3-4-3 when they first started using it was what they were getting from wing back and mm. with Toffolo and Thomas both off they're really not getting anything from, yeah. from those flanks uh, at the well. moment so so what's the point in it? You know, I know they're short on <laughs> midfielders at the moment, but you know, Holmes can play there, Sinani can play there, you can put Russell in who offers something something different, as Gorbrand has said himself. You know, you mentioned Ruffles as well. I think Ruffles he was a midfielder early in his career, but I think he was quite an unremarkable midfielder, which is why he then and it was only after he sort of switched to left back that his career sort of really took off at Oxford the last couple of seasons. But um yeah, they do have although they've got the injuries, they do still have options. It might mean moving players out of other positions but I think that you know I think you could move Holmes into midfield without losing too much because you, you've got if you're not playing wing backs you, you're you free to play Thomas there you can play Coroma there Rolando Aarons let's not forget about although Carlos Corbrand seems to have done um you know I think there's sort of question marks over all of those players Uh, they all look a bit short on confidence at the moment although as as I say we're not really seeing Aaron so hard to judge him but the fact he's not being played sort of tells you something at least as far as Corbrand's sort of view of him is concerned so I think you could they they can find an extra midfielder by making that that tactical change and turn those two that have been playing as wingers infielders but Uh, I don't think it solves everything is the thing Um, and I'm not saying that you think it does but I think yeah yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of torn between saying, is it worth giving other personnel a try like Ruffles or like John Russell even, you know, see what he can do yeah. and saying, or do you stick with the same personnel and just try them in a different shape? I'm not sure. I think
1: one of the things I was looking at over the weekend, just because I'm an incredibly sad man, Steve, incredibly sad, mm-hmm. was I was looking at the sort of the numbers of personnel that various championship teams have used. And I think Town have used twenty-two players in the league this season, and four of those twenty-two are, are, are yet to play ninety minutes total. So I think it was Ruffles and Meepo and uh, a couple of others. Russell and then, and, yeah. and then you've got um, like Ryan Schofield, who's only made two appearances at the start of the season too. So Corburn is Rhodes clearly, well. yeah, uh, cl- Corburn is clearly wanting to work with a small group. You know, a small tight group that he wants to work with. But you look at other championship teams and they are far more uh, you know like Bristol have used 28 players um, and there was was somebody else I was looking at who've used 29 somebody who've used 30 somebody most are sort of 25 26 27 and you think yeah maybe it is time now for for town to start looking at one or two other people and the thing is about sub performances Steve is like me and you have both said this is that one of the things that counted against Scott and that he was struggling with is he kept coming into games with like 15 minutes to go and the context of that game was that either Town just wanted to see it out or, you know, it was to come on just to shore the midfield up. You couldn't really see him do the things he's good at and I feel like it's time to start giving players half an hour. I feel like it's time to start, you know, 55 to 60 minutes. You need to sort of maybe thinking about two purposeful subs for players that you want more football from and you want to see more of because... like. 12-13 12-13 minutes at the end of the game it's so difficult to, to a. I mean it takes you 5 minutes to get up to the actual pace of the game the speed of the game um, so I think it's, it, it, that is one thing one criticism that we've both long held of Carlos Corbyn. and I think this season regardless of how well they've played and where they are and again we're not panicking, they are still 8 from top me and you have both said there have been games where he should have made changes before the 75th minute because some of those players need a little bit bit of rest and it feels like, you know, it's only half an hour off the football pitch, but the intensity of a championship game is well up there now. Well up there. So if you have players you want to have a look at, you need to have a proper look at them yeah, in exactly. championship conditions for half an hour. So yeah, that's maybe where I'd be looking to change the personnel up and just a few more meaningful subs. My
0: worry on that is I I worry if it might be too late because we were saying a few weeks ago, I mean, not to say that we're we're definitely right and well done off. Yeah, <laughs> we, we might be proven wrong. You know, we, we are talking here a little bit like Town are definitely going to lose the next five games, which, you know, they might go and beat Bouncy 5-0 on Saturday and then we'd sit in here looking stupid. But we were saying a few weeks ago that when you're not rotating the squad and when you're not using those different options, and we have seen a little bit more rotation this week, to be fair, as I yeah. say, left will out. You know, he's he, he has made a few changes in each of the last few games which is, is sort of I know some of them have been sort of injury or illness enforced um, but some of them haven't which is more than we had sort of previously but uh, it also means that sort of not only when when you're not rotating not only are you as I said as you say the the players that are staying on the pitch are you know getting more and more minutes in the legs where they might need a rest but it also means that if you do want to bring other options into the squad they've got very little background to, to play off you know the, the issue they've got now is that if they do want to change personnel whoever they bring in pretty much maybe except for Karoma is pretty much going to be coming in cold having played practically nothing so Ruffles has played practically nothing Meepo's played practically nothing um, you know Aaron hasn't played at all so these are you know the other options that we're talking about and the players that we're saying is it worth having a look at them and we you know Meepo is definitely one of them although we've not mentioned him there he wasn't in the squad on Saturday um, although we're saying is it worth looking at other options it's like but those other options that you might like to bring in have barely played and are going need to take in all likelihood three or four games to get up to speed and, and to get up to their best so <laughs> I think that it is tricky now if they do want to make changes because for, well for exactly that reason that they're coming in cold and they might need time to get up and it's not just one or two players that need that it's all for, sort of four or five that you might look at and say is it worth giving them a go
1: Yeah but sometimes you have to bite the bullet and just play these players like yeah, yeah. You, you, Jonathan Hogg is going to miss probably six to eight weeks worth of football and when he's fit. Again, and he's going to be selected pretty much from the off, op- and you know I know that is he's, he's captain of the club. He's Jonathan Hogg, There are reasons for that, but sometimes you just have to sort of almost accept that a player is going to need some time to get up to speed and just take that on the chin and let them let them have it really. But I think there are options, as you've said. You know, Meepo, Ruffles, Russell, a couple of others too. It, it's it's time to it's time to have a look. It's just the worrying thing for me is that Town sort of not slept walk into that slide last season, but it crept up on them because they were just and we were saying it you know they're just doing the same things and it's starting to feel a bit samey again we we, at the start of the season we were like okay new system with the 343 new personnel things feel different things look different this is good but we're 20 games in now and you have to evolve and you have to change things as you go and I think it's time to tinker I really do yeah yeah
0: interesting times we'll we'll see what happens as I say it's been I'm sorry it's been a little bit miserable uh, this one but I mean given the game that we've had to talk about I think it sort of had to be and hopefully we'll be sitting in next week and we'll be sort of you know sunshine and rainbows again because it has been let's not lose sight a better season than we expected just to sort of repeat that Um, but uh, yeah it's uh, it it is concerning and I I get where the concerns are coming from from the fans and you know I wouldn't want to sort of sit and tell anyone that they're wrong about that Um, the the other sort of topic actually Dave before we wrap up was something we talked about on WhatsApp which is uh, see a few complaints from fans about Carlos's body language and we had a bit of an argument about this, um, an argument bug um, do you think those complaints about the body language and sort of the way he communicates with the players and his behaviour on the touchline
1: etc, do you think that's valid? Yeah I do I do, I understand it because this is the bloke who's ultimately representing your club and I think that if you're if you're winning you get away with more but it still bugs some people and I think that it the thing about Carlos Corbran is he's very very intense he's very very in the moment so the fact that there are a couple of thousand people standing behind him I'm sure doesn't even enter his his sort of mind and I don't mean that in a bad way I'm not saying that you know as as a criticism it's just that Carlos is very much sort of in the bubble but I get that I get that some people would look at that and go it's not their cup of tea if I'm honest and it's there are a lot of ideal world scenarios everybody would like a Klopp on their touchline who kicks every ball and fights every fight for the club, and every substitute is giving them an, an enormous cuddle and a slap on the bum before they go on, and all that. Everybody loves them. There are lots of different personality types to run football clubs, but there has been a bit of that after the weekend i do get where it's coming from and uh, you know i can't i can't sort of comment on it personally either way as like you know it's a major bugbear of mine or not because you know ultimately i'm i'm a sort of invested observer of huddersfield town who tries to remain analytical and it's quite an emotive emotional thing so my sort of feeling on it doesn't really come into it but i do i do get where it's coming from yeah
0: well thanks for making me look bad because (laughs) you know my views on this yeah i i think it's one of those things that fans get very upset about uh and I, I i also get why you know if they're if the objection is they're representing the club i don't like those antics i don't like the ranting and raving i don't like ignoring substitutes whatever it might be i don't like that he goes straight off to the tunnel after the final whistle having barely touched the opposition manager's hand um as someone someone suggested to me done with wilder i didn't see it myself but um i can understand if you were like oh it doesn't look good for the club it's not a Great look. But I feel like it's the kind of thing that after a defeat, people sort of bring it up as though it was one of the reasons behind why they lost. And I always think it's really pointed to disproportionately when things go badly. Like, it feels like... I remember Andrea Villas-Boas used to get it for squatting down. You know, I think you can go the other way and if you lose and your manager isn't passionate and isn't sort of storming up and down the touchline and isn't giving instructions every five minutes, people will say oh, he's just standing there doing nothing. You know, I think you, you can't really win and as you say it's the kind of thing that people only ever talk about um as a negative after a defeat and no one ever talks about it as a positive after a win um and as you say i think that the key is that it is a, a an emotive topic and i think it's you know it is it's it's one for the fans but personally I I, I I really don't read i think people are quite keen to sort of read a lot into it as like is this what is like on the training ground blah 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 i don't think that's necessarily the case though like i i, I really don't i just yeah, i don't know
1: they're, they're only going on the evidence of their own eyes though aren't they that's that's the thing so you you can't the extrapolation is like a natural is a natural thing to do isn't it but i think the other factor is that carlos corbran's first full season in the championship there was no fans in the ground and Yeah, yeah we spoke before about how it adjusted certain behaviors like i remember danny cowley in the first couple of games that wigan game he clearly Hadn't understood that if you turn round and had a go at a player, everybody who was there could hear it (laughs) from the opposition players to us up in the press box. Now, some players pull their socks up and go, You're not talking like that to me. And they go out there and they up their performance levels. But there are other players who just shrink into their shells when that happens and they, they, you know, they don't want to be there anymore. Corrin had to adjust himself over the season last year because it was so weird playing without a crowd and so soulless and he wasn't constantly being watched from the touchline by, you know, 2,000 people behind him, etc. So I think there is also a little bit of a period of adjustment for him as well going on. We, we have to keep saying it, but Carlos Gorbrun is still on the learning curve, Steve. He's still on the learning curve. He's not, a, you know, even 18 months into this, he's not an established manager. He's, he's, still a, he's still a very young manager very early into his career in full management. And these are things that I think somebody like Chris Wilder, who's been doing it for a long, long time, these are things that they're sort of more conscious of and they conduct themselves a certain way quite knowingly and there are times where they will get be running up the touchline and be screaming and shouting and there are other times where they're completely calm and there are ways they will deal with certain players. They just don't have a sort of uniformity of approach they they vary it a little bit more um so yeah i'll be brutally honest here steve we talked about this last night for quite a long time and we came to the conclusion that we were both right so i don't (laughs) i I don't think there is a right and a wrong answer to it that that both sides of this argument are completely valid Yeah. yeah
0: Just thought we'd have that since we were sort of so heated about it yesterday. Um, Let's
1: have a heated debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I just thought we should, uh, even though we'd already sort of had that discussion and knew where each other stood, I thought we should maybe put it on air so people know that we've uh, we've talked about it. So yeah, Barnsley, as you say, coming up, very winnable game. Um, and you know, no disrespect to Barnsley, but it is you know you look at the league table and you have to say that that's a winnable game, and and they need that win. So hopefully they'll they'll. Get it and we'll have a you know something different to talk about again next week rather than uh, than, than three disappointing results on the bounce. Dave, thanks for joining us. Um, I, we mentioned this last week, but you know, Christmas is, is coming, it's getting nearer and nearer, and people will be looking for gift ideas for their football mad loved ones. Ockley Books may have them covered.
1: Yes, we've got loads of books on there. We've got I've done over the last few Christmases, we've done a scheme where um, we've had a sort of an open forum for people who are struggling a little bit to get. In touch with us, and we've given away football books that they could give away as presents. We can't do that this year after Covid and everything else, but we have got some books on there for less than a fiver to try and help out people who need a a cheap gift. So if that's you, do have a look. It's OCKLEYbooks.co.uk. But Steve, what I really want to know is I really fancy making a charitable donation somewhere. Where
0: could I go? Well, yeah, if you are in a position where you're able to make a donation, uh, head over to HuddersfieldTattoo.com. I, I think we sort of put out the plea last week. We've had £20 in since then. Thank you if it was you who uh, contributed that £20 or towards that £20. Um, but uh, I think we need a, a, a bigger effort here if anyone is able to, is in a position where they're able to make a donation to the Welcome Centre, which I realised after I put the episode out last week, I hadn't explained properly. It's a food bank in Huddersfield. They, the number of people that need their services has only risen since last year uh, when you know the fundraiser raised 20 uh, twelve and a half thousand pounds, which which you know really went a long way. But especially this time of year, people need the food bank's money is stretched, as as we all know. Um, so yeah, I think uh, anything that you can donate would be much appreciated, and obviously gets us closer to the twenty five thousand pound goal. And that twenty five grand, by the way, includes the twelve and a half number from last year. Um, so if we get to a total over the two years of twenty five grand, the next town goal scorer gets tattooed on my back, as you well know by now. So uh, yeah, get. To- I don't think, to be honest, as it looks, I don't think we're going to get there by Christmas, but uh, but everything helps. It's more about the, uh, obviously more about trying to get that money in for people who need it than it is uh, any japes on my part. So yeah, get on it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>